Hey, Cornerstone. Good morning. Hey, uh, we're starting a brand new series together called Weird. And I actually think that this uh, series has the capacity to really push into our lives, maybe even transform some of our lives. So I'm super excited that you're here, you're part of it. I'm excited that Santan, that you're part of it in Scottsdale campus and everybody who's watching online and then the five o'clock service man. This, this may be a significant life-changing conversation that we're going to have the next couple of weeks. Weird. Now, I, by now, my guess is that most of you have figured out that if you actually get serious about following Jesus, you're going to end up a little bit weird. And maybe, maybe it's okay to be a little bit weird like Jesus. When I say weird like Jesus, I'm not talking about purple hair, big eyelashes weird. That's not the weird I'm talking about. I'm not talking about carry around your family Bible and beat your neighbors up with it or, or have to hug everybody weird or say, bless your heart, weird. I, look, if that's the weird word, then I'm out, okay? That's, I'm not in for that. But maybe a Jesus kind of weird. Maybe a love your enemies kind of weird. Forgive people even before they ask for forgiveness kind of weird. And you get that Jesus was just weird enough that people who lived in his time were absolutely attracted to his weirdness. They said, this guy's got something that we don't have. He's teaching something that we've never heard. And they came in droves to figure out what it was that made him so different and so unique. And what if we were a little bit weird like Jesus? What if, what if friends and neighbors were compelled to come to us and say, man, I don't, I don't know what it is, and I'm just got to be honest on first pass. I don't understand it. But it looks to me like your weird is working better than my normal. Now, here's the thing. Uh, this is hard because none of us intuitively wants to be weird. Matter of fact, the reality is we all want to fit in. We all want to be part of the group. And even in those moments when we say, I'm going to be different, just like my friends, we're trying to fit in and, and be like everyone. And, the, and, and in reality, we've done some pretty weird things trying to fit in. So I came up with a list. We're going to do a survey. I want you to raise your hand if any of these apply to you. Okay, you ready? All right, ladies. How many ladies in the room, you wore those massive shoulder pad things? Right, see? See? And you look back at pictures now and go, what was I thinking? I look like a linebacker. How many of you wore MC Hammer pants? Isn't that just painful? I mean, you were trying so hard to be normal. You're weird. How many of you don't know what MC Hammer pants are? Okay, you're weird. You were a loser. You weren't cool like the rest of us. How about leg warmers? How many women wore leg warmers? They go, hey, it's 110, but I'm keeping my legs warm. That's weird. All right, guys, 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 guys. How many of you grew facial hair so you could be like Miami Vice? Come on. Ah, uh, right there, man. Yeah. I tried that too, but I could only grow it on the neck, and it didn't, it was, it was uh, yeah. Um, all right, how, how, many, how many of you wore a rat tail? Come on. Thought you were normal. All right, so here's the biggie. You ready for the biggie? 
How many guys in the room, you gotta confess, if you did, you gotta confess, how many of you guys had a mullet? Oh, dude. So that's totally weird, right? That's totally weird. Man, back in my day, we'd wear like elephant bell bottoms. Anyone old enough for that? Elephant bell bottoms, right? You'd take this inside and you'd sew material in so that your bell bottoms were like the side. But we were cool. I'm just telling you, we were cool. And I know, I know, I know. I know there's a bunch of young people in this room and you're going, you old people are so weird. But here's what I'm telling you. Someday, someday you're going to see a picture of yourself in skinny jeans. <laughs> with eyeglasses that didn't even require a prescription. And you're going to have your backpack on with bull straps. And you're weird. Just saying. And guys, let's just, isn't it true? Somewhere around junior high, it became very, 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 very important to us to be normal and to fit in with the crowd. And if we were really honest this morning, there's still a little bit of junior higher in all of us that just says, hey, this whole following Jesus thing, if it's going to make me stand out and if it's going to make me unique and different from, man, I just don't know. I mean, that just, that just sounds like a huge decision. If Jesus is going to make me weird, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And here's what you need to hear me say. Jesus was weird. And his followers will be strange. And a matter of fact, if you read your Bible, any portion at all, and you begin to read the life and the teachings of Jesus over and over and over again, you're going to get to red letters in your Bible. And the red letters in your Bible are the weirdest ones of all. Because you had a moment in which God came to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, taught you and me how life really works. And it is so contrary to what we think. It is so far off base from what our friends are doing and from how everybody who's normal is acting. It is so different that you cannot possibly follow his commands and not come out the other side just a little bit weird. Matter of fact, today we're going to take a look at what I think is maybe one of his most weirdest statements and just see how it can change our lives. So grab your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 16. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find this book of Matthew. And it's Jesus. Jesus in this moment is saying, I know, I know, no, no. I know how this is how everybody that's normal thinks life works. I get, I get this is how your relatives do it. I get this is how your friends do it. And I'm about to offer you a completely different way about thinking about life. And it's going to be weird. It's Matthew chapter 16. Uh, starting in verse 24, here's what Jesus, actually just go to verse 25, here's what Jesus says, ready? Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, let's just be honest, that's weird. If you want to try to save your life, if you're, if you're doing your very best to get the most out of it you can and, and, and do the most with it you can, if you do that, Jesus says, you'll ultimately end up losing your life. But if you are willing to lose your life, 
you'll find life. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is simply this. If you live the way that people around you live, if you chase the same things that they chase and behave the same ways they do, if you go after all the things in life that they go after, trying to rake it all in and, and be wildly successful and wildly happy, if that's how you live, Jesus says you'll ultimately be disappointed. You'll ultimately lose your life. But if you were willing, if you were willing to leave that behind, to, you ready, to die to that and begin to live for me, you would find life. It's a completely different way. And you would end up being, you ready? A little bit weird. Now, here, here's what I want to toss out. Maybe it's okay to be weird because I'm not sure normal is working very well. Think about this, think about this. Look at our marriages in our culture and our society today. You've got men and women who sit and bicker over, hey, you're not the husband that I was hoping to have. You're not the wife that I always dreamed of. And every single time that you disappoint me, I will withdraw just a little bit more of my love from you until the point that they wake up one day and say, we have fallen out of love. They now try to explain this to their kids and say, hey, look, mommy and daddy don't love each other anymore, which freaks our kids out because our kids go, wait, 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 if you can stop loving mommy, if you can stop loving daddy, then when do you get to stop loving me? And we go, oh, it's different. And guys, this is normal in our culture. Hey, we drive our kids everywhere. We run as fast as we can. We overwork and we, we overcommit and we're driving our kids to 16 different soccer practices and somewhere in our mind we convinced ourselves that standing on the sidelines and cussing out the coach is family time. <laughs> and this is normal. This is normal. Guys, we make as much as we can possibly make, and we're never satisfied with how much we make, but we find a way to spend everything that we make in order to make piles of stuff that is sitting in our garage because we forgot that we bought it. But we're pretty sure if we could just make a little more, and if the pile could get just a little bit higher, we'd be more satisfied than the last time we bought a waffle iron, and it didn't satisfy. And this is normal. We've got kids that stay in the house until they're 30 years old. They spend their entire day watching internet porn and playing video games. When they finally get a job and the supervisor actually gives them a review that they don't like, mommy goes to the work <laughs> to meet with the supervisor and tell him, you don't understand, Tommy is special. <laughs> and this is normal. Guys, we sleep with anybody we want to sleep with whenever we want to sleep with them and as much as we want to sleep with them. We've taken the most intimate expression between a man and a woman and made it something like a breeding pasture. We've said to our boys, you're the bull, and we've said to our young girls, you're the cow. And this is normal. We live with holes in our lives, and so we self-medicate. We find something, whether it's shopping or whether it's eating or whether it's drugs or whether it's alcohol, to simply remove the pain for some fractional moment in our lives. 
and everybody understands what we're doing because this is normal. And guys, I'm, here's what I'm just thinking. If we keep going this direction, the most normal people in our world are going to be the Kardashians. Can I? Can, I'm not sure normal's working. And what if you and I gave weird a shot? Here's the thing I think is so interesting. The thing I think is interesting is how many Christians are still caught up in being normal. In, in other words, they came from this part of life. I mean, that was the rat race that they were in. This is, this is what it was before Jesus. And somehow, when they cross the line of faith and they come to Jesus, they bring their normal behaviors with them as if Jesus is just simply some sort of a whitewash or a stain that you put on normal. It's astounding to me how many Christians still want normal for their lives. Let me see if I can help you with that. Let's dissect how normal people live. See, if, if you're out in culture and, and you're living normal, then the answer is you. That's why we got a why. You are the most important piece. You are the most critical element in your life. And, and you run through the filter of your life. Does it make me happy? Does it bring me any level of satisfaction? Because you are the most important person in your universe. And therefore, you are the filter through which all of your decisions run. Now, normal people, normal people uh, may have a little bit of spirituality. So we, we did a J for Jesus. And so, you know, maybe it is Jesus. Maybe, maybe they go to church once in a while and they, they, they're Jesus likers. They got Jesus on Facebook. And, and, and he's okay and it's good to check in with him once in a while. But, 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 or maybe it's not Jesus at all. Maybe it's Confucius or maybe it's crystals or whatever it is. But they would say to you, hey, there is a spiritual element of my life. That's how normal people live. They say, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm not a complete skeptic, but you know, there is, but it, you just need to know, you ready? That is a distant part of my life. As I run my decisions, as I go forward in my life, as I try to decide how I'm gonna live, the primary thing is clearly me. And then there is a huge gap before I would really actually consider, I mean, what the Bible says. I mean, I might think about it for a minute, or I, I might take it in modest consideration, but the reality is, this is the pivotal decision maker of my life. People who are living normal lives, they, they have consideration for others. I mean, if they were standing in line at the store, and, uh, you know, they had like a hundred items they were checking out with, and the person behind them had two. They would consider, uh, you know, letting them uh, go ahead or, you know, may maybe they'll put their shopping cart back uh, so no one else's car runs into it. Now, based on Walmart's parking lot, that's not very many of us, but they would consider. They might sponsor a child because they say, look, 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 look. I, I have an affinity. I have a a sense of caring for my world and caring for others. But the reality of it is, if you watch their actions, I mean, that, that is an afterthought. 
That, that's something you kind of do after all the rest of the you boxes are checked. And then, you know, if there's something left over, that's what you do. Here's the remarkable part. When Christians, when people come to Christ, more often than not, as they begin to adjust in their lives, here's the adjustment. See, they would say, no, 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 I get it. I get living for myself is kind of selfish. I, I, I get that. And so I have toned this way down, way down. And, and the reality is, I mean, Jesus comes into play and what the Bible says, I consider that so much more quickly and I give it so much more weight in, in what I do. But ultimately, this is still about me. This is still about what makes me feel good and what blesses me. And, and, and you know what? Others, I mean, other, I think about others a lot more than I did before Jesus. I mean, this, again, this has moved much, much closer in my life. But you realize why you're not getting any flack for this life? Because you're still normal. You're just a nicer version of normal. And Jesus talks about this type of Christian. So grab your Bible. Go with me to the book of Revelation. This is going to be the easiest book you've ever found in the Bible. It's the last book. It's at the very end. Some of you are going, oh, that's totally cool. Are we done? No. No. Uh, Revelation chapter 3. This is Jesus talking about Christians who try to be Christ followers and still be normal. Still live with the same kind of values, the same kind of direction, the same kind of filters as people who don't know Jesus. Here's what it says. It's Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 15. Here's what it says. I know your deeds. Red letters. Ready? Red letters. This is Jesus talking about this moment. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich and I've acquired wealth and I do not need a thing, but you don't realize. Watch this. See, this Christian says, man, I, I am scoring life. And Jesus says, here's what you don't realize, that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. So get, get the moment. Jesus is saying, look, 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 this is a mess. I would rather that you be just absolutely, totally invested in living the old way. Live the way your neighbors live. Live the way that normal people live. Go do that with all of your heart. Because here's the deal. It, if, if, you're, if you're still believing that there's something in that side of life that fulfills you, then go get it. Go get it. Or, I wish that you, remember the passage, I wish that you would die to that old way of life. That you just say, look, Lolo, that's, that's, that's my pre-Jesus way of thinking, and I am now going to live for him. And I'm going to be 100% in, I'm going to totally be vested in Christ, which means I get it, I'm going to be slightly weird in this world. Because I'm not going to live for the same things that normal people live for, I'm not going to chase the same things that normal people chase. I'm, I'm going to be slightly different. 
But here's what Jesus comes back and says, please, please tell me. Please tell me that you're not going to live your life with one foot in normal, one foot in the way you used to live, and one foot in Jesus, straddling the decision. Please tell me that you're not going to be a lukewarm Christian. You ever, you ever tasted lukewarm? You, you ever walked up and seen a Coke sitting on the counter and you go, <laughs> chug, and realize it's yesterday's Coke? Hey, worse than that, worse than that. You ever walked up to a glass of milk, found out it was really old? You see, you, you get why Jesus goes, man, I, I'm just not doing lukewarm, man. I, I, I will spit lukewarm out of my mouth. And guys, look, look, look. Especially in a relationship, lukewarm is untenable. The worst relationship you can ever be in is a lukewarm relationship. Back in my singles days, I was dating a gal, and we dated for almost two years. And uh, it was getting to that point in the relationship where something needed to happen. Now, I was completely content. I was good. We could have kept going the way we were going for forever. But she started to drop hints. Stuff like, where do you see us a year from now? <laughs> you know, just subtle stuff like that. And, and after a while... I began to realize, uh, you know, she's asking for a commitment. She's saying, hey, we've gotten to here. Something's got to happen. And, and then as I thought about it, it occurred to me. That really is what needs to happen next. I, I've either got to decide, hey, wait a minute. I love this girl, and I want to spend the rest of my life with her, and I want to marry her. Or I've got to stop wasting her time. I, I've got to say, look, uh, you're, you're just not the one, and, and give her the freedom to go find the guy who's going to love her. And I ended up having to have a really, really hard conversation in which I said to her, I said, hey, I, I really do think I love you. It's just when I stop and consider, I don't think you're the one I'm going to marry. Ever. And so the kindest thing that I think we can do right now is break up so that you have the freedom to go find the guy who's going to love you the right way. It's interesting, I met Lisa less than a year later. I wonder what would have happened if I'd still been dating the other girl. See, I'm just going to tell you, lukewarm doesn't work in relationships. And that's why Jesus is saying to you and me, look, 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 don't play this one with, don't play this game with me. E either just get off and go, go live that way, or come live for me. You get the part of the passage where he says, you think you're rich, don't you? See, here's, here's what Christians who are living this way think. They're saying to themselves, I can have my cake and eat it too. See, I, I, can, I can have Jesus in my life, which is really cool, and I can still have normal in my life. I can have the world in my life. I can do that too, and I can kind of manage it back and forth. I'm getting my cake and a chance to eat it too. We call this type of believer selective believers. They're Christians who say, oh, no, 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 no. Every time I read the Bible, every time I hear the sermon, I'm going to decide whether or not I want that part of Jesus in my life. So, on some moments, I'll go, hey, that looks like a really cool passage. I think that would help my life, and I'll put that part into my life. But I'm going to see other scriptures where I go, that's the stupidest thing. God wants me to what? He wants me to stop, and I'm just going to live it like everybody else. 
and you selective believe your faith because you're still in charge and you're still choosing which parts of Jesus you want and just how weird you're willing to be. Now guys, look, I get why this can be hard because let's just be honest. Being normal, living like everybody else does in the world, there's some fun attached to that. If I can go sleep with anybody that I want to sleep with, if I can go spend money recklessly any way I want to spend, if I, get, if I don't have to care about anybody but me, there's, there's actually some fun with that. But you realize that kind of lifestyle is what I call credit card living. So you know how credit cards work, right? You go into the store, you plop your credit card down, you get the 60-inch TV. The problem comes three years later when the 60-inch TV is broken down and you're still paying the payments. And that's what normal gets us. See, there's this moment of, hey, 30 seconds of fun or this moment of, of unbelievable thrill. The problem is not that. The problem's when the payments of regret, of wounded lives, of I wish I could do that over again, come due. It's credit card living. And Jesus says, look, 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 if you're ever going to find life, you're not going to find it in normal because normal only takes you to death. And what you have to do is die to that way of thinking and die to that way of living and come live in life with me. One person like that. That was good. Okay. Is it possible in this room today that the reason some of us are so frustrated with Jesus has very little to do with Jesus and a lot more to do with how we're living. And that we've been living a lukewarm lifestyle. And Jesus would say, hey, the reason that you're naked and the reason that you're poor when you live this way is you never actually get very much of the world. You only get it in little dabbles. But you never get enough of me. You just get crumbs from the table. You thought you were winning the game. The reality is all you're doing is living on leftovers. Is it possible that one of the reasons that some of us in through room are with Jesus has nothing to do with Jesus? It has to do with us trying too hard to be normal. I wonder how many Christians are in this room that at one time you were all in. And now you've drifted back. And you're darn close to straddling again. And then Jesus comes. And he says that which is weird. He says that which is uncomfortable. He says that which changes everything. So go back with me to Matthew again. And this time we're going to read the verse ahead. It's Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, this time we'll start in verse 24. Here's what it says. And again, if you had a hard time finding it, go to the back of your Bible, work to the left. Then Jesus, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple, if this ever becomes important to you, if you ever decide to really be in on this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
And then he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. See, if being my disciple is too expensive and you decide to go live the other way, you'll think you're gaining life and you'll lose life. But whoever loses their life for me will end up finding it. So here's, what, here's the prescription. Here's what he's saying. Saying, look, if you're really ever going to come after me, if you're really, really going to get serious about your walk, you're going to get just a little bit weird. And here's what weird looks like. You've got to be willing to deny yourself, which means, you ready? The why must die. You've got to be willing to say, no, 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 all the things that I was kind of doing for myself, all the things that I was chasing because I had run them through the filter of me and said, that's what I want, and that's what's going to make me happy, and that's my plan, the why must die. But you want to hear something really, really cool? The moment the why dies, Jesus ends up promoted because you realize he suddenly moves to the front. And now every single decision goes through him first. It stops being what do I want and what's going to make me happy and what do I think and how do I evaluate that piece of Scripture? And now it becomes what did Jesus ask? What did Jesus want me to do? And this becomes the primary filter through which you and I process life. He must deny himself. Next part. Take up his cross. You, you get that when Jesus was here, he lived his entire life for others. Matter of fact, the cross isn't about Jesus. The cross is about us. And you and I never look more like Jesus than when we're living our life for others more than ourselves. Matter of fact, you ready for this? You can never be a fully devoted follower of Christ and not serve others. Because that's what Jesus did. Remember Jesus as he's getting ready to leave this earth. He's, it's the last earthly act he does before he goes to the cross. Anybody remember what it was? He washes the disciples' feet. You remember the moment Jesus takes a towel and he takes a, takes a little water basin and he starts washing the disciples' feet and Peter says, Jesus, look, dude, no, no, no. You, you, no, you're never going to wash my feet. I mean, you're Jesus. I'm the disciple. Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I don't wash your feet, then you have no part in me because, because, because. You ready? Following me means you'll be a servant. Following me means that others will be more important than you. And Peter, someday you're going to be a bigwig. See, Peter, someday you're going to be the rock upon which I build this church. You're going to be Peter. And I need you to pull out a towel. Because when you follow me, others are more important than you. Every once in a while, we'll, uh, we'll ask you to serve. We'll say, hey, we, you know, we really have a place and we want you to serve and you just need to know, we, we don't ask you to serve because we've got an empty slot. We ask you to serve because you'll never be more like Jesus until others become more important than you. And whether that's changing diapers, which I'm just telling you, that'd be a lot like Jesus. He did it for the disciples a whole bunch of times. Or whether you're dealing with junior high kids, and that would be weird. But when you serve, when you serve, you look like Jesus.
deny himself, take up his ministry, take up his cross, follow me. Which means, you ready for this? It means you go in third place. And Jesus said, if you'll get weird, you'll find life. This, this, this will change everything. And you're going to begin to live it away and find a joy and find a contentment in your life you never knew possible, but it's only on the far side of weird. Hey, guys, what if we had weird marriages? What if we had marriages where the husband and the wife loved each other? Where, where when things got a little tough, she said, you know what, I, what is it I could do that would bless my husband, that he would say, man, that's the wife I always wanted, and that I would take whatever selfish motives in me, and I would say, no, you know what, I'm going to do what he needs first. And what if we had husbands who were willing to die for their wives and said, look, look, here's the deal, if I don't ever do anything else right in my life, making my wife thrilled to be my wife is going to be my highest goal. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? And what if, what if we raised kids who actually honored their parents? That'd be weird. And they went off to college, and they didn't get blown up by their professors, and, and they didn't sign up for some sorority, and in four years build a lifetime full of regret. Those would be weird kids, wouldn't they? And what if you and I were weird with our money and just absolutely generous with whatever it was that had something of God in it? Because we said, look, 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 I'm not building piles for me, and I'm not building piles for here. I'm trying to send some on ahead. I'm trying to invest in what's important, and I'm going to be wildly generous with anything that has God written on it. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? What if we waited till marriage to have sex? What if our young people just said, hey, absolutely not. I'm going to take the most precious gift that a man can give to a woman, and I'm not going to put it out there like it's some Oreo cookie. I'm going to save it for the one I love. And what if couples that are living together right now went home today and moved out and said, I'm not, I, I, no, 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 not until we get married. That'd be weird, right? And what if we stopped self-medicating, trying to shop our way into happiness or try to eat our way into fulfillment or take the next toke or drink the next beverage to fill up our lives? And instead, we let God fill up the broken parts of our lives. We'd be weird in a really good way. And what if our normal friends began to come to us and say, talk to me. Talk to me about weird. Because I'm just saying to you guys, if I have to choose between normal and weird, I choose weird every time. Let me read you a prayer that Jesus prayed over you before he left this earth. It's in John chapter 17. You don't have to go there if you don't want to. I'm going to read it for you. If you want to, you can. It's John chapter 17, verse 15. Here's what I'm going to do. In this passage, every once in a while, it uses the word world. I'm going to replace the word world with normal. 
Here's how it reads. You ready? This is Jesus praying. My prayer is not that you take them out of normal, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of normal, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. Make them weird. By the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into normal, I have sent them into normal to be weird. Let's pray. Hey, guys, I just, I just want you to ask yourselves this question. How's normal working for you? Because I just think if you and I stop for a moment and pause, normal loses all its luster. If normal takes me to that much chaos and regret, I don't want normal. And my prayer is simply this, that scores and scores of lukewarm Christians in this room today would make a decision to just be done with normal and to become a little bit weird. To just say, look, I'm, I'm going to put Jesus in first place in my life. I'm going to let others be more important than me. I'm going to pull up the rear. Because in dying to myself, I find life. I'm hoping there are Christians in here today who've been suffering drift. You've been kind of backsliding in your Christian walk. And today, weird would get a lot more attractive. You, you stop putting your eyes on normal and start putting your eyes back on Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, we just, we come to the moment. And God, if, if fitting in and being normal means missing your blessing in our lives, then make us really weird. Help us to be Jesus weird. Help us to be the type of people who love their enemies and forgive people who haven't even asked for their forgiveness yet. Help, help us to be so weird that people come and say, I don't know what it is about your life, but you've got something that normal doesn't offer. Could you tell me? Could you tell me what it is? God, today, would you move a whole bunch of hearts toward weird? In your precious name, amen.